0: Hey, I'm Elijah, and thanks for checking out this message today. We're glad that you're here, and we would love to get connected with you and your family. One easy way you can do that is to text River Connect to 97000. You can also visit our website at theriverchurch.cc to learn more about us and some upcoming events. Lastly, if you would like to give to the River Church today, you can text the amount you want to give to 84321, or you can head to our website and click the Give tab at the top of the page. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Morning, everybody. Great to see you all this morning. Everybody enjoy that extra hour of sleep, huh? Who in here? Yes? Woo! Who in here said, Pastor, since 1964, I get up at the same time. It don't matter what the clock says. Again, nothing this morning. Who's that? That was all of the 8 o'clock gathering. They all said that for some reason. But uh, welcome to the River Church. So glad you're here. We are in the book of Matthew, chapter number six. So would love for you to turn there. Listen, if you if you're more digital and want to bring your iPad or want to bring your phone and look there, I would love for you to follow along. Don't don't follow. Don't trust the thing behind me. I don't know if you ever notice. I don't ever look back there. So who I don't know what's going on back there, but. I don't want you to just read the screen. I want it to be, I want you to look at it and see it and have a place where you can take notes and write things down and, and uh, let the Lord challenge you and, and then come back to it on Tuesday and see it again. So just want to encourage you. Uh, if you're not in the habit of, of bringing a Bible, work at bringing, making that a habit. Bring it. If you need a Bible, let us know. We will get one to you. We'd love to supply you uh, with the Word of God. We'd love to do that. All right, well, we are in the last uh, sermon on the Lord's Prayer. Right? One of the more more famous in all our culture to know the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven. You could say that to, to many people, even in our American culture, and they probably could pick it up. they go, okay, I'll go to the next line. They would hear it. But we've been studying what does the Lord's Prayer mean? It's not just something we say that we just kind of go through it because we're supposed to, and the Lord will look down and said, you've said it five times, I'll give you five stars. That's not what it is. The Lord gives us a pattern on how to pray, what prayer should look like, and that's what we've been studying. And I hope, and I hope, and I pray that the Lord is using this, that I hope last week maybe it, it impacted your prayer life a little bit. Maybe you prayed a little bit more, or maybe when you're sitting down at McDonald's, getting ready to pray for a cheeseburger, which I don't know if you're allowed to do, right? Like, but a you know, you're getting and you just before you eat, you, you pray, and you just slow down a little bit. Realize, man, I, I, I'm allowed to talk to the Almighty God, that he calls, Jesus teaches us this pattern, and to know who we're praying to, dearest Father, our Heavenly Father. And maybe that just helped center you, like... I'm talking to the dearest Father, our Father who art in heaven. And then I prayed this morning that we as a church would hallowed be thy name. That we, right, it's a petition to say, Lord, may we worship you as holy. And that is my goal, that we would gather as a church that we go, Lord, we want to worship you as the almighty, holy God. Because this is your character. It is who you are to think about your kingdom come and your will to be done and asking the lord like lord may your will be done in my life may i see it may i know it may i believe it and may i live it in the second half of the prayer we studied last week which really is the personal petitions that the lord invites us to give us this day our daily bread and just to god says hey I don't want you to worry about everything. I want you to bring that worry to me, your daily needs. And maybe this week, someone in here was praying, and last week you thought, man, the Lord doesn't want to hear about this. And you realize, yeah, the Lord wants to hear about this. And you bring your needs to the Lord. And then he centers us on forgiveness. Forgive us, our debtors, as we forgive those, right, who who have sinned against us. In the last petition, that God, you would protect us in this broken world with the broken flesh. Lord, I am prone to wander. And so, Lord, protect me from temptation. Deliver me from the evil one. Amen. So this morning, as we wrap up this study, when we get to verses uh, 13, or excuse me, verse 14 and 15, it's very interesting. Because the Lord, like... Comes back to one of the petitions. The Lord has to clarify one of the petitions, and I told you last week we just touched on it, but this week we're going to dive onto it, dive uh, dive in it. Is that the Lord has to clarify and help us understand forgiveness? It's a big issue in the church. And here, first, we need to understand the Lord forgives us, that only by the cross shall we receive forgiveness of our sins. One pastor said the Lord here was simply concerned to remind us of the need for forgiveness and to assure us of the fact of forgiveness. And last week, I told you, I said that man's greatest problem is sin, sin. Our greatest need is forgiveness. It's the greatest need. And this is Jesus and the cross, that he went to the cross. He took our sins upon the cross that we may be forgiven. But here, Jesus explains a little bit more about forgiveness, and it's heavy. He says this, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. All right but there's the next verse but if you do not forgive others their trespasses neither will your father forgive your trespasses that's heavy what does this mean if i don't forgive christ is is, is not going to forgive me what what does exactly that mean and all I know is forgiveness can be a struggle in my life. Okay, I, I can struggle to forgive people. So here Jesus clarifies it. But he, he is saying if we don't forgive, there, there are consequences. There are things that will happen. And I bet there are many of you here this morning that say, Pastor, you're talking about forgiveness. You, I, you can't even imagine what was done to me. And so when the Lord just goes, "No, you need to forgive them, it's, I, I, I struggle to do that. You may even say or think, "Pastor, you don't know what you're asking me to do. You, you, you don't know." And, and I'd kind of want to reverse that, because here Jesus says, "If you don't forgive, like sometimes we get through, we don't realize what will happen." If you don't forgive, you don't realize what you're asking for. You ever had to tell your child that before? Like, they come and ask you for something, and you look at them and go, Hey, you don't realize what you're asking for. You ever do that? They want a pony. They want a dog. They want a 12-foot snake. They want... And when they ask for that, they want, like, the LT1 or the ZL1 Camaro. I'm 16, Dad. I want the ZL1, the fastest Camaro. And you look at them and go, you don't know what you're asking for. You don't realize what, like, like you can't even drive the Chevy four-cylinder Cruze in the driveway. That's too powerful for you. And you want the Camaro, like, not realizing, you don't realize the danger and the insurance and the money and, and just... What will happen? Or you go to the pony, like I know you want a pony. Why? Because it's beautiful, and then I could ride the pony around the yard, and it's so wonderful, and the pony would love me, and I would love the pony. You're like, Yeah, but you gotta feed the pony. It costs a lot of money to feed the pony. And then and then you you look your daughter's asking, you go, hey, and you know when you eat a meal, the mess that you make. Well, when the pony eats a meal, it makes a bigger mess. I won't go into any more of it. But you got to take care of that in the yard and all of that. But you don't know what you're getting into. You don't realize it. My son, in between the gatherings, he came up to me and goes, Dad, when you told the illustration at 8, because my son goes to the 8 o'clock gathering, and he says, I thought for sure it's Christmas time. You would go to the Red Rider BB gun, right? Like he didn't realize what he was asking for. You'll shoot your eye out. And I went... That's pretty good, son. That's a good one. I like that. That makes sense. Okay, write that now. But when we are not willing to forgive, the passage here explains what happens. And sometimes I think Christians, we don't realize what we are asking for if we look and go, God, I can't forgive that. I think the church is hurting because it doesn't know how to forgive. I also think the church is hurting because we don't even realize what forgiveness is. We have this mind, like some mindsets are like, well, yeah, you just forgive and there's nothing, there's nobody, nothing ever, there's never any consequences. And that's not what forgiveness is. Or, or you go, man, I, how do I just let this go? You're, Jesus is telling me just to let it go and just to smile and go, we're happy. But what is this true forgiveness? And that's what we're going to dive into this morning. This passage Again, says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. So what, what does this mean? One pastor said, with an unforgiving heart, we are actually asking God not to forgive us. It's like we go to the Lord and go, Lord, may your mercy be poured over my soul. Not mercy on you, though. Right? Just think about the audacity to go to the Lord for mercy, because we mess up, don't we? Go to the Lord for grace, but when somebody does something to us, we go, no, no, hold on, I'm, I'm asking for mercy, I'll get back to you. But to be forgiven and not forgive, to want the mercy of God upon our lives, but yet not to give it. But when you read this passage, what does it exactly mean? Because you can look at it and say, wait a minute. So if I don't forgive, am I going to hell? Is, is this speaking of like the Lord's not going to forgive me? That, that, that my sins are not covered? Or, or that I need to do this throughout life? And if ever in my life I mess that up, man, I could lose my salvation. Is that what this is saying? No. Well, Why? Because when we study Scripture... We we look at all the scripture, right? We compare it and go, okay, what does this mean? How does this fit in here? And so, as we study the scripture, scripture is very. The Bible is very clear that when we come to know Christ as our Savior, that time when we truly accept the Lord and the cross and have our sins nailed to the cross, we have forgiveness. To read you a few verses. Colossians 2.13, And you who are dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us some of our... No, wrong word. Having forgiven us all of our trespasses. Colossians 3.13, Bearing with one another and one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. First John 2.12, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. One more, and I give you multiple here because I want you to see. The Bible is very clear about salvation and being saved. Ephesians 1.7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we see this clearly. So what does this mean here in Matthew 6? What is Jesus pointing to? One pastor says this, As justified believers, the disciples do not need a radical new cleansing, but rather a daily cleansing from the contaminating effects of sin. Through the cross, our sins are covered but we still walk through this world. We still have a flesh. And so there's this picture of our feet still get dirty. Right? It's not taking away a salvation. But it does hurt our relationship with the Lord. and So it causes conflict there. Jesus explains this very clearly in John 13. So flip over to John 13. John 13, Jesus is in the upper room. He's with the disciples the night before he goes to the cross, this is the time when Jesus gets down and he begins to wash the disciples' feet, one after another. Think about that. He washes their feet. He washes Jesus' feet. He gets to Peter, and, and Peter, the disciple, is, acts like Peter. He gets to Peter, and Peter's like, "Nope, Sorry, Jesus, you may wash their feet because they're not whole. You are not washing my feet. I could never let you do something like that. And Jesus speaks very clear to Peter. Here's what he says. He says this. Jesus answers, uh, answered him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. So he's saying, Peter, you don't get this now, but there's the cross coming. And after the cross, you'll understand. And he goes, Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. So Simon Peter, again, being Simon Peter, says, Lord, not my feet, not just my feet, my hands and my head, my hair back here, everything. And Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean." Jesus is showing us. He's saying, Peter, you don't need a bath. He's giving the picture because you have accepted me. My righteousness is placed upon you. So if you know the Lord, it's not because of your righteousness. Christ's righteousness is placed upon you. You are clean. But again, here's the picture. He says, I'm going to wash your feet because you need to keep repenting. You need to keep coming back to me. So we can continue to grow in this relationship. So here it's not saying you lose your salvation. It's pointing to a couple things. Wilkins says those who have received forgiveness. Are so possessed with gratitude to God. That they in turn will eagerly forgive those who are debtors to them. This does not teach that humans must forgive others. Before they can receive forgiveness themselves, rather forgiveness of others is proof that the disciples' sins are forgiven and he or she possesses salvation. So in this passage we see this this is proof, but it is also when you look to someone and go, I won't forgive you. It hinders your relationship with the Lord. We go back to that thought, you don't know what you're asking for. When you pray the Lord's Prayer and you won't forgive, you're going, no, Lord, I'm good. You don't have to forgive me. Go back to this thought of you don't know what you're asking for. You're also asking if you will not forgive others. You're asking for an unhealthy soul. And there are a lot of unhealthy souls in the church. There's one that pointed, said this, said forgiveness is one of the best spiritual health tests there is for our lives. When I was younger, there was a a group of older men that, that I knew, and some attended church and some didn't. And as I was thinking about this sermon, it just reminded me of these men. There were one, there was just this group of older men, and if they loved you, if Man, if, they, if they knew you cared, I mean, you cared for them, they would do anything for you. I mean, whatever you, you needed, a, a ride, a shirt, money, anything, whatever it was, you just ask them and they were there. They would take care of you. That was their MO. But their MO, their habit also was, but if you were out If you did something wrong to one of them, they were done with you. They're done. It's over. If you did wrong, hey, if you're in, you're in. If you're out, I'll have nothing to do with you. So studying, one guy said he saw a bumper sticker that says, I don't get mad, I get even. And just in my mind, I pictured, I wonder if on the other side of the car was a Christian fish picture that says Jesus loves you. But I don't get mad, I get even. Because the truth is, there are some people in the church that think both of those things are okay. You ready? They're not. They're not. God calls us to forgive. And if we have a spirit of don't cross me, because if you cross me, I will get even. I will get back. You will get yours. It's not a spirit of the Lord. Some of you in here, uh, you like to work out and go to the gym and part of exercising things. One, one of the things in, uh, I think about working out is grip strength. Whenever you do some workouts, like if you're hanging, like you need grip strength, you're picking things up, your grip strength. And sometimes your other, you know, your other body parts are strong enough, but your grip strength gives out. Some people in the church, their grip strength on grudges is amazingly strong that you have a grudge against somebody that somebody has done wrong to you and it's been 15 years, but man, that grip strength is holding on. And you can't lay it down. So here, the scripture says, I don't think you realize the hurt and the pain that will happen that if you hold on to that, it's gonna cause hurt in your life. You don't realize what it does. Now, on a side note, understand that some of you in here have forgiven, and then then you're like you run into that person again and it flares up in your soul. You like see it, and like, man, I thought I had laid that down, and it's right there all again. And so you fight and go, Lord, I gave this to you. I'm trying to take it back, I'm gonna give it back to you. I think that's a picture of someone who follows Christ and is trying to honor him. Got it? Like this, this you're trying to lay it down. This is not talking about those who have, like, Pastor, I, I forgave and then this bitterness wells up inside of me. And then I have to go to the Lord and ask for forgiveness. This is what we do. I believe this is what the, the, the scripture is pointing us to. We're, we fight to forgive. What I think this is speaking to is when there are those who say, I know Christ as Savior, but no way. And Jesus here is telling us the cost. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another in God, as God in Christ forgave you. So, I don't normally put quotes up on the screen, but I read this one and it was, it's a little longer and it's heavy and I just wanted us to, I wanted you to see it and maybe it'd help you uh, understand a little bit better. But Kent Hughes said this An un, is it up there? Okay, I made sure. See, I did that one. An unforgiving spirit brings isolation and a compounding of our bitterness and sooner or later it shows itself. Self-pity finds its root here. Then comes depression as an unforgiving as an unforgiving offended self turns inward. We become even more fault-finding and hurt and unforgiving. The more depressed and emotionally unhealthy. What happens is it sours our relationship with our friends and people in the church, and it sours our relationship with the Lord. See, what we're asking for if we won't forgive is we're also asking for an unhealthy church. I believe there's too many people in the church, just for a visual, I think of a tennis match and there's a guy right in the chair way above everybody else, on the side of the court, he's way up high, much higher than the other people. And his job is to look down on them and go, Fault, fault. It's the tennis, you know, judge. The balls out, he yells, fault, 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 fault. And people in the church, I think they think that's their position. They're called to be up high on the chair and look down at everybody else and just watch for everybody else to have a fault so they can call it out. The Lord calls us to forgiveness. We often are quick to take offense, quick to assume the worst, quick to resist forgiving. And here the Lord calls it out. So maybe you sit there and go, okay, Pastor, I, I hear what, what it causes. How do I get there? How, how, how do I understand forgiveness? How, how am I able to do that? Well, I'm so glad you asked that question. Let's look into the Word. Go with me to Matthew 18. Jesus tells us a parable that explains this so well. Matthew 18, verse 21. It says, then Peter, you know what? I'm going to let you turn there because I asked you to turn there. You're like, you asked me to open up my Bible and turn there, and now you don't give me time to get there. i give you time. Awesome. And some of you just felt guilty. Fine, I'll turn there. (laughs) Matthew 18. Then Peter came up and said to him, Oh, here's Peter again. Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. Now, why would Peter say seven times? Because it is thought then the rabbis would require say, Hey, you need to forgive somebody three times. After that, So Peter, being Peter, being holy, Peter, it's like, I'm going to double it plus one. That's what I'm going to do. Double plus one, the Lord will think I'm good and holy. It's probably over what the Lord's asking for. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times, 70 times seven. What here it means is uncountable. Right, you don't go 70 times 7, 241. This one person I'm up to 184. I only got a couple more to go. That's not what it's saying. It's saying forgive, 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 forgive. Here, Jesus then tells us this extremely like it is an extreme, there's exaggeration here. He tells us a story, a parable. And it's really in three acts. And one guy described it this way, it helped me see it, so that's how I'll do it. But it starts off and it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle his accounts. And so he found one of his servants who owed him 10,000 talents. So you can ask, how much did he owe him in today's, in today's market? What did that look like? So most people say a billion to a zillion. They say, when you look at the money, try to figure out, it was like a billion to a zillion dollars. I told you this is an extreme parable. What Jesus is saying is this servant owed something he never, ever, ever had a chance to repay. No matter if he worked every day of his life, there's no way he'd have enough to repay the debt. It's so extreme. So you read it that way and go, so this guy had a debt that he could never repay. Nope. And what's crazy is the king forgives him of his debt. Verse 26. He says, so the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, imploring the king, have patience with me. I will pay you everything. Well, it's it's a lie. He can't pay him everything. There's no way he could pay him everything. He says, but the king, out of pity for him, Released him and forgave him of his debt. Now, Jesus tells this parable, and it's extreme, but we see ourselves in here. We are the servant with a debt that we cannot pay. The Bible says, For the wages of sin is death. We are not able to pay the payment for our sins, but Jesus. Did. the cross of Jesus this is why Jesus came God's son perfect Jesus the lamb who paid the price for your sin and my sin we put ourselves so, so the servant I'm the Jesus paid the price for me act 2 verse 28 but when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii and seized him, beginning to choke him, saying, pay me what you owe. So it looks like he's forgiven and now he tracks down the guy who owes him. Like, like It's not just a, hey, I saw you. No, no, he goes and finds him. You! So much he puts him in a chokehold. I told you this is extreme. People are like, man, Jesus is extreme. He's got him in a chokehold. I would never do something like that. Maybe in my mind, but he puts him in a chokehold. Says you owe me, and you better pay me. Now, what did he owe him? When you look up the amount that he owed him, it looks to be around three to four months' wages, which means that's not a small sum, right? Like that—that's that, still a heavy. Lo, that's still, that's, that's still a weight. It's not like, oh, he drove over your lawn and you put him in a headlock. No, he, he owes you three months of pay. So this man gets down and begs and says, please, if you'll forgive me, I'll pay it back to you. And the servant has him thrown in jail. Until you pay me every last dime. So people see it and they go back to the king and, like, so Act 3, verse 32, it says, Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? So the word of the Lord says this. So hear it, it is heavy. He says, and in the anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brothers from your heart. We are the servant who has been forgiven much if we know Jesus. Jesus came in your place on the cross. We have been forgiven of an unpayable debt. And if we know the Lord, we must be like the Lord. We must be like Christ in our forgiveness. Is that our heart? Now, I want you to hear some things because this sermon, I feel like, maybe more than any I can remember, brings up, yeah, but what about? Like, you may be saying, that. yeah, but what about? But what if they, but what if? So, first off, this is a great question to ask in a growth community this week that happens every day. They're so helpful. But what about? And you get together and you study God's word and you go, okay, what is that? But what about this? So here one man taught and it helped me hear. Listen, Jesus in this forgiveness, when he tells us to forgive, he is not dismissing the government's role and rule that good government should never carry or punish those who break the law. This is not saying that a government shouldn't say, hey, you break the law, there's a penalty. Right? This is done. There is a penalty. That is good government. The Lord has, that's what the Lord has set up. That's what should happen. So when we say forgiveness, we just don't go, oh, you just did that. You just broke that law. No big deal. Let's go. Come on. That's not what it's saying. There is still consequence for sin. So Jesus here is also, he's not dismissing what he just said. So Matthew 18, right before this parable, Jesus said, Hey, if you have a problem with your brother, somebody in the church, you have ought, you need to go to them. And, and if they don't, if they've sinned against you, then you take somebody else. You take the church. We gotta figure out how to mend this relationship. But if they won't repent, if they won't do what's right. You and your heart, you still have to forgive. You can't carry around that bitterness. But it does change the relationship. Right? It, it, there, there are consequences. So the Bible says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So many times there will be parameters. There will be things set up. But there can still be forgiveness. There can be guards you go, man, I I I can't allow this person to hurt me again. Correct. So understanding forgiveness isn't throwing out consequence or isn't throwing out things that will protect you. That's not what this is saying. I think sometimes the church has got that idea and they're, they're missing what forgiveness is and what forgiveness we're called to. But five years ago, when I became the location pastor, we, we dealt with sin. It's not easy. Now remember, somebody yelled from the crowd, whoever has no sin, cast the first stone. And yes, that is scripture. But if you don't understand what that pertains to, to go, hey, yes, we all have sin, but there is still consequence for sin. But we, in our heart, are called to forgive and not carry bitterness or hatred. That's why Ephesians 4 is so good. If you're dealing with somebody and somebody has hurt you, you're like, I'm just trying to set up borders to, to protect myself, but you are not dealing kindly or you've lost the tender heart, then probably you haven't forgiven like you should. So that's why you go back to that passage of Scripture. In Titus, which is a pastoral epistle, Means Paul wrote it to a pastor, and he says... Paul says, hey, to the pastor, remind them. And so I just believe he's saying to pastors, remind the church. It's in Titus 3. It says, remind them to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our day in malice and envy Hated by others and hating one another. Oh, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of the works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Here, Jesus, the passage, the parable. He does not permit us to hold a grudge and to not forgive because he knows that bitterness will eat us. Here in this parable, he's not talking, right? It's not just an action. It is our attitude. It is our heart. After the eight o'clock gathering, I had a lady come up to me. She thanked me. Thanks for the pastor's sermon and I think I flipped those words. Thanks for the sermon, Pastor. That was weird. But she said, when I was hurt in my life, and I think she'd be okay with this, when when my husband sinned against me, she said I gathered around a group of ladies and knew what the Lord had called me to do She said, nothing in my heart wanted to do that. She said, I just began to pray, Lord, I know your truth, and I'm going to try to follow it, but I basically am too weak to do it. It was so beautiful because she said, you know, right then, it's not like all of a sudden I went, oh, okay, I'm good now. She said something like, now I look back and look at the strength of the Lord on my life knowing that he has me. See, this forgiveness isn't something light. I don't stand here and go, oh, it's just, no, it's heavy and it hurts and there's a wound and a scar. But the Lord wants to give you freedom from it so you don't carry that bitterness, you don't carry that hurt, so you can have healing. The Lord gives it to us. So one last story as I close. I was reading in one of the commentaries and the writer became very vulnerable. He, he told the story of his life. He said, he spoke of his stepfather. He said his stepfather was he said, an evil man and he he caused so much hurt in their family. He didn't go into all the details. He just said, There were so many things he did. He said, when I was a young teenager, he finally exited out of my life. And the writer of the book said, I was then called to go to Vietnam. And so I'm in Vietnam. And he said, while I was in Vietnam, the thought of that man consumed me. He said, and I made a vow. So I was in Vietnam and I made a vow that when I return home, I will kill that man. He said, in that year, I came to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. He said, it changed everything. He said, I was released of that thought of my stepfather and I just let it go. He said, for years, I didn't think about it. He said, till about four years later, he showed up on my porch. He said, my wife, who was a nice, kind lady, invited him in our house. he said I sat with him he said I looked at him and I told him the vow so I told him he said terror crossed his face and then he said this he said I looked at him and said but but I now know that I'm no better than you. God has forgiven me. And if He can forgive a sinner like me, I can forgive you. He said, I will not also, I will not, let me write that. I will not let you hurt my family again. So don't think this is made out of weakness. Rather, I forgive you because I have been forgiven. Jesus changes everything. And when we struggle with forgiveness, run back to the cross, huh? Ask the Lord, pray, Lord, please give me your heart of forgiveness. I'm struggling, I'm trying to take it back. Help me to forgive And for some of you, the person you need to forgive is yourself. You won't do it. Believe the forgiveness of the cross, know it. Know that Christ has forgiven you, and he calls you to forgive. So know that he paid for it on the cross. Some of you are struggling to forgive. People are hurting. You're in the middle of it right now. Can I encourage you? You so need people, the church in your life that will gather around you and that will lift you up in prayer in this hard, difficult time. Run to the church They are here, we are here to pray for you and with you, to weep with you. Hearts to break with you, but also to know the strength of the Lord is real. And lastly, maybe you're in here and when we talk about forgiveness, you've never truly accepted the forgiveness of the cross. This morning there'd be no better day than to know that what Christ did on the cross can set you free. And if you will trust in the Lord, repent of your sin, and believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, he'll save you. He'll give you true freedom and a new life in him. Will you stand, please? Pray. Lord, thanks for teaching us how to pray. Lord, there's lots of wounded hearts out there, you sure know. May they know you're the God of all comfort. May they know your forgiveness. May you give us strength to forgive. to just cleanse us of that bitterness and anger. May somebody in here who hasn't accepted you as Savior, Lord, may your Holy Spirit, Lord, may their eyes just be open to your truth. Today be the day where they call upon you as Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name.